have you given any thought to the true source of your power and how to reclaim that through surrender? Today, we'll be talking about sacred sexuality and healing from misogyny, from the patriarchy, and from all these generations of abuse. And we'll be talking about the word that will set you free back into your power. And it's five letters and it starts with P and ends with Y. And I'll give you a little hint. It's pussy. Hope you join us today with Dana Ferrant. She's returning with us again. Last show was Dancing with Your Inner Dominatrix, and now she's back to tell us about her year off and her journey of deep surrender. Join us to find out more. Soul Nectar Show. The Soul Nectar Show. You're invited, delighted to discover who you are. Anything is possible if you believe to join us on this beautiful journey. So let the show. Well, hello and welcome to another episode of Soul Nectar Show, that show where we talk about all things essence. And I need to update that to be embodied essence. Uh, I'm your host, Carrie Hummingbird, and I love having these conversations week after week and coming to you and sharing from the heart, uh, myself and my guests about all these really precious transformations and realizations and embodiments that are happening on the planet uh, for many of us right now who are waking up and decidedly choosing to wake up on the planet. And of course, we also know that there are those who just deliberately refuse to wake up and are, you know, kind of stuck in some kind of quagmire of these old, old misogynistic racist patterns on the planet that just, you know, I've got one in mind right now that happened in Kansas City. And it's just so, you know, in the middle of the quote heartland, that to me is such an oxymoron. It's like in the middle of the quote heartland, we have, you know, an 84 year old man killing or trying to kill a 16 year old boy through a window for coming to get his little brothers. They was at the wrong house. And so that kind of ignorance, that kind of dance with hatred, that that deep, dark commitment to these really terrible patterns in human consciousness is still alive and well in the heartland and probably other places too. And yet we have this opportunity to disrupt the entire matrix. And I know that those of you who've been listening to me for a while, you know that I'm committed to exposing the matrix and all the places that it lives and and all the ways that this matrix has suppressed and controlled people. And one of the largest and oldest or two I just mentioned, right? So it's like really like this, this one about your skin color is not like my skin color, therefore I can kill you. And then there's also this, your gender parts aren't the same as my gender parts and therefore I can abuse you. And that misogynistic pattern is so damaging. And I've been working with a group right now doing a little book study and looking at the book Pussy. So for those of you who are really triggered by that word, the book Pussy by Regina, (laughs) Mama Gina. And uh, yeah, Dana's laughing. Our guest today is Dana Farron, but back to this dialogue. So this book is triggering for a lot of women because why? Because we've been disembodied. And that's why I said it's time for the essence, the embodied essence conversations, you know, because we've been disembodied from our power and we've been sort of like all of us, so many of us for so many different reasons, victimized by the same basic population, you know, on the planet. And it's like, okay, we're really done with that. I feel us all really done with that. 
done with being controlled for our sexuality, done with being controlled and abused because of our gender, done with being controlled and abused because of the color of our skin, done with being controlled and abused because of our chosen sexual expression. All of these and so many more done with being controlled and abused for our religion and the religion, the the spiritual beliefs that pour through our hearts, all of it, all of the above. Here we already have a conversation about that today, focusing primarily on sacred sexuality and healing from misogyny. And I wanted to just point out the overall that it's all part of this bigger matrix that is all based in control and separation and getting people to disembody their power so that, you know, they can be controlled. So with all that, dun, 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 I want to welcome our guest, Dana Ferrant, to join us. Dana, it's so good to see you again. Uh, thanks for having me back on, Carrie. Love you. Yeah. If you guys have been listening to Soul Nectar Show for a really long time... Really long. Really long time. You'll remember that Dana was with us years ago and we did this fantastic episode called Dancing with Your Inner Dominatrix. Super potent episode. I'll put the link to the YouTube below. But now Dana's taking a year off to do a deep surrender journey, really following the mystery wherever she's guided to go and turning in all of her escapades and her adventures and her realizations and her embodiments into a new book, which will be kind of like a combination of Eat, Pray, Love and Fifty Shades of Grey. And so I honestly am so excited about this new book that's forming within Dana. And so today we're going to be having a conversation about this journey that, that Dana is on and also about sacred sexuality, healing from misogyny. And so I'm um, giving you this guy, you guys all this preface to say, please stay with us, even if you're super triggered. If you're super triggered, reach out. We can always do a session. Healing sessions are 30 minutes and they're not that much money. So it might be a good way to just clear some energy. But, you know, when you stay through and you face the shadow work, what we call shadow work, and, you've, and you sit through uncomfortable things that make your hackles go up or make you like want to run away or make you like, oh, I don't know if I can listen... That's the thing you want to listen to because that's going to set you free. <laughs> so Dana, begin. Tell us, get us started on the journey of freedom and liberation <laughs> from this, all this quagmire stuff I just called forth into the space. What, where do you want to start? Let me just give a quick background as to you know, how, I, how I ended up in this journey. So basically for a number of years, I've been getting a little tap on the shoulder saying I need to stop being such a control freak. Although I come by that honestly, you know, <laughs> me too. And uh, and then you know, just you know, we know, like when we ignore something, the tap gets louder, tap gets louder. So finally, I I got the nudge of like I need to just unplug from everything, take a year, and go. And it's my time to learn to really drop in and let go of, of control. See that there's something else. I call it universe. You know, however you want to phrase it, that there's something else that has my best interest at heart. And in fact, it's better if I hand it over. If I'm not trying to control the outcome, I can actually get a better outcome than when I'm supposedly in control. So that's kind of the premise of it is that I did that. So I'm about nine months into this journey as we speak. So I've got a little bit left uh, in my one year, my committed one year. I may continue being a nomad for after that, but so basically I sold my house to my ex. I got rid of all my possessions except for, you know, a few boxes and hit the road. 
So, wow, that's so brave. I mean, you left your safe space <laughs> and wandered off into the unknown. Yes. With a couple of boxes of safe stuff. <laughs> right. Wow. How did yeah. that feel? Like, how did that feel when you first did that? I would say the, quite honestly, the first bit of it. So it would be like a year ago, January, when I was kind of separate myself from the house and the big pieces of furniture and my cats. Those were hard. Those were really hard because there was all the constructs around, you know, you need to have a house. And if you don't have a house, you don't have security. And if you don't have security, then what are you going to do when you die and you get old? And all this stuff that you would say is in the matrix is there. So that pounding in and then okay, being willing to let go of it. I had to really drop in. When we talk about shadow work, I'm a big one for shadow work too. So for me, it was being willing to really just embrace like, okay, so I end up a homeless bag lady. Okay, great. Come to a place where I'm like, I don't choose that to happen, but I can embrace it if it does. And then there's the freedom. Because then after that, it was easy. I just started letting go of stuff. Got to the place where I'm like, if I can't sell it for at least a hundred bucks, it's going on the corner because I lived right at a corner. So everything I put at the corner was just disappear within an hour. So I put so much stuff. My neighbors got some good bonus, you know, good stuff up there. <laughs> but I, 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 it was liberating when I finally got to the place where I was willing to lean into that and say, okay, even if the worst happens, which wasn't going to happen because I'm not broke, but even if it did, I'm like, I'm okay. Yeah, but that's a primal fear. I actually want to point out, like for everybody listening, mm-hmm. that fear of being that if homeless is a primal fear and the judgment against it is so huge, right? Like it's mm-hmm. like, oh, get a job, you know, I mean, you know, you're just looking for handouts or I mean, there's so many judgments towards homeless people like, mm-hmm. oh, you must be just mentally insane or there must be something wrong with you. You're scary. I've got to stay away. There's so many judgments. And what I found interesting in my own my own experience was years and years ago, I was going to Unity Church out here in Austin. And I would, on the way to Unity Church was this stoplight where the homeless people always used to ask for money routinely at that stoplight. And I started noticing on the way there, on the way back, like, how was I reacting when there were homeless people? Like, did I avert my eyes? Did I pretend I didn't see them? Did I give money if I had money in my car? Did I have anything in my car to give them? Like, did I have any like extra food or waters or anything like that that I could just hand out? And I caught myself so many times running short. Like, no, I don't actually. I'm not prepared for this. And I, you know, and I live my life on credit cards. So I don't have any money. And it's like that awkward feeling of like, I want to help you, but I can't. And then what do I do, you know, in that moment? So it's a really interesting I think an interesting inquiry to go into then being on the other side of that coin and actually like, well, I, I'm kind of a vagabond. I don't actually have a home or I'm just sort of living, flying by the seat of my pants with two boxes of my stuff. And, you know, can I be okay with that? And so when you started, so like that letting go process you were just talking about, I imagine felt a little cathartic, kind of like really vulnerable, releasing your life. Yeah, absolutely. And, and that. Like I said, that was that was the challenging part. Once I got the momentum, then it was like, oh my goodness, this feels great. And and so then I was ready to just, I, you know, every week I would be willing to let go of more, and I let go of more, and let go of more until I, you know, got down to the level that was like bare bones of stuff that you know stuff I can't replace, sentimental, or stuff that was you know just it just was it made sense to keep it, but you know that was very little. 
<laughs> in the grand scheme of things, considering where how much stuff I started with. And of course, you know, there's a whole rabbit hole we can dive into about what that showcases of, you know, the stuff that we keep and, and whatnot. But that that was the biggest, you know, that was the first big letting go. And then just kind of bring it around because we we were wanting to talk about this sacred sexuality and misogyny. So as I've been going on this journey, it has been, you know, deepening my exploration into sexuality. And of course, my background as a dominatrix and being full into the kink world, I'm probably more advanced, if you want to call it, than a lot of people. I'm a lot more aware than a lot of people about sexuality and variations. But even for me, taking going on this journey, there was there was a theme that started building fairly quickly. And it was in around this feeling like I'm obligated in some way when someone's turned on by me or they feel like they want to talk with me. They want to chat. There's this piece. And for me, that comes from my upbringing. So just a little heads up for everybody listening. I grew up in a religious cult. So for me, the programming to be at the beck and call of a man was instilled from a very young age. And so this idea that I am obligated was a real piece for me. So me untangling from this misogyny thing is like, it's been bigger than I think for some people. You know, some people can kind of just recognize it and go, well, of course not. <laughs> but for me, there's this like pull of like, oh my God, I'm, I'm obligated. He's turned on by me. I, that means I have to have sex with him, which is crazy, <laughs> right? But it's there. And so it's in untangling from those pieces, untangling from the programming that I had about if you were dressed sexy, that meant that you wanted to be raped. That was a, a, a message that was given to me. I mean, my stepmother blatantly accused me of the assaults being my fault because I wasn't wearing enough clothes. Like that messaging. So untangling from that and being willing to go out and walk the streets of, you know, Montreal in September wearing my sexy outfits was, you know, was this really big piece of pushback against that whole society and system. That's really powerful, actually. There's a lot of judgments that come up when you start to be expressive in that way, I yeah. noticed. I also had the programming that if a man, you know, was interested in you, then that meant you had to sort of entertain it. And then there was like this weird exchange, right? So the man would give you something or buy you a drink or something like that or do something nice. And then there's sort of like this expectation that you're supposed to give something back in return now or like kind of go along and laugh or giggle and, you know, sort of play along with his little game he wants to play. That's he's all into his excitement about you. And that if you don't do that, you're a bitch. And, and that if you're single, you really can't do that. You know, it's not okay to not play. Yeah. Like if you're yeah. married, then you have an excuse, you know, for not yes. playing the game. And then yes. you're lauded for not playing the game. You're lauded for pushing back and saying, no, actually I'm well, yeah. married. And, <laughs> but like, then you can get away with it. Right. But if you kind of like are single, then you have to be inundated by this unwanted attention or by maybe some of the attentions wanted, but then it's like this bigger intrusion into your space that you're supposed mm -hmm. to just accept. Yeah. To me, like there's the overt misogyny. We're all very well aware of the, the overt stuff. But I think 
for me in this journey, it has been, you know, diving in deeper to those, the, the minor ones. So, you know, Montreal and walking the streets in my, my sexy outfit, that was kind of more overt. And then the last couple of months, it has been this piece of, even for a man to like reach out and they, he's like, Hey, I just want to chat. I want to be your friend. I'm curious about you. Right. Cause of course in my background, the domination, lots of people are curious. Like I could spend 24 seven talking to people, but it's like, where's my choice? You know, did you ask me if I wanted to chat? Did you ask me if I wanted to be your friend? No, there's this assumption and granted, like, this is how men are raised. They're raised to, let's just ask, like, they don't ask, they just command what they want. And all the power to them. And here's where the switch needs to happen. So I think for a long time, I know for me, I wanted it to be that they would change their behavior so that I would feel safe. And now I realize they don't have to change their behavior. I just need to stop reacting. So you can ask that you want to talk to me, you want to chit chat, and I don't have to respond. I don't have to, I can just block without giving any explanation. And this sounds so logical, Carrie. Like I say it and I'm like, that's fucking obvious, right? Sorry, didn't ask about you. That's that's okay. You can. It's fine. (laughs) I'll mark it explicit. (laughs) But this idea that I don't have to explain was like earth shattering for me. I was like, oh my God, I can do that. And it's been, it's been mind blowing. So in case there's anybody listening who has, you know, has the same level of programming that I do. Yeah. You do not even have to explain. Nothing. Yeah. And that is really fascinating. That decision point to no longer give your energy to someone else's desires mm-hmm. or perspective and that you can just let them kind of sit in their own stink because they created it anyway. And it has nothing to do with you and just go, well, have fun with that. I'm going, <laughs> I'm going to go live my life, right? Like I'm not down for that. I think that's a key point that women, I took me half my life to figure that out, right? In my marriage, which I thought I had to, right? Because in marriage, there's like this contract, like you're supposed Mm -hmm. to. If you're married, then you have to keep your husband happy. Otherwise, he'll go looking. Oh, yes. And then so if he cheats, it's your (laughs) fault because you didn't put out, you didn't keep him at home, you know, with good cooking and nice (laughs) submissive behavior. And so- it's all your fault if he goes and cheats. And of course I went the opposite direction. I, you know, I went and cheated. Anyway, I was, I had my sexual revolution and I was like, what? I didn't know that could happen. Oh, you know, so there's, I think there's a lot of messy boundaries between men and women. Yeah. And I think my place, my stance with this today is that to realize that for me, I'm the one that gets to dictate. I don't have to wait for anybody else to have good behavior. I don't have to wait for any of the rest of the world to catch up with this. And for me, like going into the shadow side again, it's for me to be okay with anybody being turned on by me. That that's okay, right? It doesn't mean I'm unsafe. Because if I remove the obligation to do anything, then I don't need to do anything about anybody being turned on. And they, I'm like, can just be like, hey, go enjoy that. Have fun. I don't need to get angry. That is really pivotal, actually, because what I realized along the way in looking at myself and my reactions to people's attraction to me is that for a long time, I was uncomfortable with that. And so I would change the way I dressed Mm 
and the way that I acted Mm -hmm. so as to sort of like make myself less attractive or less desirable or invisible so that I wouldn't be potentially targeted for cat calls and things like that, which always made me really uncomfortable. And then when I had my sexual revolution, I went through this period of like, I don't give a fuck, you know? And I was, I was like actively being flagrant, you know, and just like dressing provocatively and, you know, as a young mother, even and just doing whatever I wanted. And I didn't really care, you know, I half hanging out in my swimsuit and I was just like, whatever, you know, and <laughs> just walking around, just being me, you know, I just was like, I'll just be bad. Cause I just, I've done trying to control myself down into not being who I am. And so ever since then, it's been like, okay, those were polarities. And then what's my natural balance? Like what's my authentic expression without suppressing myself to fit in and without being rebellious to contest, but simply being true. Yeah. And that's, that is, I mean, we often experience those two sides, right? It's like, okay, I've experienced this end of the spectrum and this end of the spectrum. So what's the, the middle ground that works for me? I love that. And I think it's pushing those edges like you've done, like wearing those provocative outfits and really like the outfits that make you feel really, really sexy and powerful mm-hmm. and just walking around like that and bringing yourself in public around other people. It's like, now what? You know, yeah. it's like you get to face your edges. And I, I want to just speak to that piece because here's here's one of the things that I see with people is that I see lots of women like that, you know, you dive into the sexual empowerment. And like you said, you just like, okay, I'm just going to let it all hang out. They go into the sexy dress, but it's not from a place of this is what I want to wear, but in that rebellion. And the problem is, is that you are not safe on either side because you're not actually owning your power. So when I'm really fully in my power and I call it my dom energy, because for me, there's like a palpable feel to that, that I can get into. I am not at risk of being victimized. And the main reason is that perpetrators like easy prey. And let me tell you, a dominatrix is not easy prey. Yeah, that's not because you're in your power. Right. So it doesn't matter what I'm wearing. I could be wearing the sexiest, sluttiest outfit, or I can be dressed like a nun. If I'm in my power, I am not attractive to a predator. And that's the piece that I really like, I would love for people to walk away from is that, is that, so it doesn't matter. It doesn't matter which way you dress, how you dress, but how you feel, how you internalize who you are. That's key. Yeah. It's like not worth it. It's like for a predator, it's not worth it to go after you when you're empowered because even if they tangle with you, you'd mess with their mind so much because really the predatory aspect comes with insecurity I had this really interesting experience at the end of the Four Winds Light Body School training with Alberto Bialdo. This class called, um, it was all about the sacred and it was about working with archetypal energies. And we did this sacred play where anybody could come up with any human paradigm and, and then people would embodied aspects of that human paradigm. Like say you were abused by your father. So we'd have like the abusive father and then we'd have the little child and, and different people would play the different roles. And then we just let the energies come in because they're all archetypal energies that just run through people. It's not like the person, it's the pattern. So the one I chose was a predatory man because I had been so targeted by men, like eyeballing my body and feeling so insecure about them looking at me and not wanting them to look at me and that I really wanted to work through that predatory energy. And so I had somebody be the female to be like that part of me 
that was being mm-hmm. eyed. And then to understand the predatory energy, I embodied it and I let it come in and take me over. And it was intense. It was like I was circling like a shark, just mm-hmm. like looking for my prey and closing in and closing in and closing in and closing in and just like targeting my prey. And there was this, the energy, you could feel the energy moving in the room. It was so intense. And then I just went like this and to pull her to me. And in this moment, she gave me the stop with her hand and said, no, but in a gentle way. And when that happened, I started shuddering. My whole body energetically shuddered and released this tremendous energy. And she ended up holding me because I was shaking and crying. And it's like I broke this spell of this disowned part of me Mm. that had a grip on me on the inside. Yeah. I like broke the spell of it. And so I no longer needed to hunt men or be hunted by men. That paradigm was broken in me. And I, I feel like that's really important work for people to do on the planet at this time so that Number one, own your shadow. Like, so whatever is happening to you by somebody else is actually your disowned shadow. You're just meeting it right out in the space. And then number two, like, if you want integrity, you've got to own everything and do the work to release these energetic patterns. If you want the world to change, you've got to change it within yourself. Yeah. Beautiful. I love it. I love it. There's so much, so much beauty in doing the shadow work. I, I, love that side and it's uncomfortable as all get out while you're in it but you know I, I don't know about you but I'm at the point now where I've done so much personal development as extreme sports that now I get kind of excited I'm like oh that feels really uncomfortable great <laughs> yay it's super uncomfortable so good. <laughs> you know like but to me I, I, I liken it to to time in the dungeon but like in the kink world you have the ability to associate pain with pleasure. And I, I'm really leaning in more and more that people, it's a way for them to, to start to recognize that, you know, pain and pleasure exist in the continuum in life. We're never able to experience pleasure all, all on its own. There's always a bit of pain that goes with it. So when we open up our definition of pleasure to include pain, now you open up your life to include the full spectrum. And that's, to me, one of the beautiful, beautiful gifts of kink work when it's done well is opening up those experiences, is opening yourself up. And so you know, now when I go to do shadow work and it feels really uncomfortable, there is that there is more connection to the fact that like, okay, on the other side of this is the thing. So let's just keep breathing and go. I love that. And to me, what that signals is when a person the more that you become available to the pain and anybody, what happens is that you become available to be embodied. You become mm-hmm. available to be in your skin, down to your toes. Mm-hmm. And the deeper you get in your skin, the more present you are to your life experience. And the more present you are, the more powerful you are, which is why the matrix has it all set up so that you won't be in your power. You'll, you won't want to get in your body. You'll disembody. You'll disown your body. You'll get, you know, usually from some early childhood experience, get totally disembodied, right? And so not even be in your body and then be told, 
oh, it's bad. Your body is bad. So then shame your body, not want to be in your body. And then, you know, all the things. So like, don't mm-hmm. feel emotions. Emotions are bad. Oh, okay. Well, now I'm not supposed to feel those. And then here, take these pills and numb everything. Okay. Well, then I'm not feeling myself. It's like everything in the matrix is set up so that you will not feel pain. And if you do not feel pain, you will not feel pleasure. Yeah. And yeah. pleasure sets you free. Pleasure is pussy. I mean, pleasure is power, right? <laughs> yeah. That's what that is. <laughs> Absolutely. <laughs> Which again is, you know, also another piece about the dungeon is that you start being intentional about bringing people into their body. That's part of why the pain is there. The pain is there to start. It's like, it's that wake up of like, boom, let's get you in your body. Hello. Do you feel that? Oh, okay. Now some pleasure. Well, looks a little more pain, right? It's that embodiment piece. It really is. I, you know, that's, it's a great word to describe it because getting to a place of surrender, which to me is the ultimate goal of kink sessions is to get people to what we call subspace. And subspace, some people would call like highly evolved meditation, transcendental meditation. When you reach that point of oneness, stillness, those kinds of things that can also be achieved in the dungeon, sometimes faster (laughs) by dropping them in to this cycle of pleasure and pain and getting them really connected again, because it's a, it's a quick way to embodiment. Yeah. And because instead of recoiling from the pain, and trying to numb out from the pain or trying to distance or run away from the pain or like get out of the pain, you're going in. Like going into the pain is where all the wisdom is heading in there and not too quickly, you know, because some things are very really super traumatic. So you've got to, you know, I can do it the other way, right? Like push myself too hard and then like have a bounce back. So it's like yeah. learning how to navigate with grace to go into the pain with grace and ease and flow mm-hmm. deeper and deeper, steady and deeper and deeper opens up a continuous flowering of that pleasure and a continuous flowering of your consciousness. I think, because I think that's the path of enlightenment, is to know that the pain is there to help open you up to the wisdom that you've been missing that would help your life be more wonderful and graceful and beautiful and pleasurable. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That was cool. That just came through. I like those words. <laughs> I, I I start channeling words, Dana, and then I'm like, ooh, I like those words. I know. I do that all the time. I'm like, ooh, that was brilliant. Oh, what was that? I go, listen. That was really good. <laughs> I need a meme. I need a meme that says that. Yeah. This is also part of what happens. And it's so cool to recognize it finally, right? Because you've been on a journey You've been walking the journey, you've been living your life. And all you've been doing is, if you're anything like me, Dana, is like, oh, that hurts. Okay, I need to do something with that. <laughs> you know, at some point I want to make that stop. So how do I do that? And so the, the question becomes, how do I make the pain stop? And when you finally learn to go into the pain and then the pleasure opens up, right? You like, you realize, and then long enough down this path, there's this like joy that starts to open up, like innocence, childhood, like delight. Mm. And that's cool when that happens, you know, because then you're like really loving this whole, it's like a game now. It's like, oh, there's some pain. Let me go see what's in there. <laughs> yeah. It's not so scary. Now you, now you want to go in there. And that's, a, that's the edge of that comfort zone you're talking about. So you've been really courageous, Dana, because you have pushed all the edges, right? I mean, I know, tell a little bit about your story about how you pushed the edges because you have totally pushed edges in your life in terms of like... Oh my God. Yeah. <laughs> give us, I mean, I know dominatrix, but like, give us like another couple of just 
morsel so people really understand what that means, like that you're opened up your edges. Uh, you know, I'd say the first big one was was actually leaving the cult. So I grew up Jehovah Witness and my parents were very, very fundamentalist with it. So leaving that at 18, I had to leave everyone and everything. And that's that's bucking the system. You know, bucking the system when you don't have a good, strong support system to go to. So that's that was really big. And then, of course, becoming a dominatrix really has challenged people. Even this journey that I'm on, like people are like, well, where are you going to go? What's on your bucket list? I'm like, it's not my bucket list. That's not what we're doing. I don't know where I'm going. I don't know when I'll be back. Like it challenges people for me to not have something, you know, and I remember I had a couple of like networking calls with these dudes and we'll call them dudes because dude is anybody who can't listen. That's that's okay. Dude, my my version is he who thinks he knows. Well, the same, right? That's why I can't listen. So, <laughs> so I'm I'm talking with them, and they're like, "Well, but you're going to need clients while you're on the thing, so we're going to need to get you a funnel and get you this." And I'm like, "Okay, you didn't hear me when I said I'm taking a year off. I'm taking a year off, and that challenges people because you know I have this saying, the cult of business." And to, for me to now push up against the cult of business, because I am not doing things through systems or structures, any of that. I'm letting it flow in, right? I'm just like, Christ, you know, I maybe post once a week on social media now, if I feel like it, I'm not doing it right. I'm not doing anything right. And that's as a result of having taken this year to unplug. It's taking time to gradually systemically disconnect from the cult of business so that I can really tune into what my wisdom is. And here's the great thing. I want to put this out for anybody listening. If you think I'm like, yes, I'm crazy, wackadoodle. But <laughs> I oh, no, I love this. Right. I love this. Tell great us. Shit. Yeah. So now I'm getting inquiries for clients before I've even, I haven't changed my website. I haven't like, I, I barely changed my LinkedIn profile, nothing. But people are finding me. They're finding me because I'm leaning into what it is that I'm going to be doing. That's why they're finding me. So what if it's not the systems and those freaking constructs at all, but it's just a matter of, because when you look at people, okay, I don't know if you see this, but I see this all the time. I look at people who follow their journey and then all of a sudden something clicks, something turns and then boom, they take off and they want to put it down to they got this funnel, they got this system. That's what we're, no, they changed and they got every shit piece aligned and then all the connections, right? And they're actually connecting. And if they're a woman, they're connecting their pussy power up with the rest of the chakras. And then boom, train takes off. Cause I say train, like imagine your body is the train to get somewhere. Okay. Head is the engine. Steers says the yes, no, we're going to move. We're gonna, it's very logical. The heart is like, where do we want to go? What's our destination? Oh, what's it going to be like when we get there? But if you don't have an engine pushing that, then the engine is your pussy. So if your pussy's not lit up, you're not excited about what you're doing, that train is not going to leave the station. Or maybe it'll just like put, put, put along. And that's what I see over and over again with entrepreneurs or anything, right? It's just all of a sudden, pieces all line up, engine fires up, and they are gone. Yeah, that's true. And and I want to say a lot of women also leak their pussy power into their family systems. Oh my God. As a mom, <laughs> I saw that trap and I was like, um, that seems like a big trap. 
you know, I'm there for my kids and I'm, I'm not going to slow down on what I'm here to do in this lifetime plus be a mom, right? Yeah. And it's a balance, right? But yeah, if you're not aligned to your own power, then you're giving it away to everybody and everyone to get what a tiny little scrap of validation, attention or love in return. Right. That's what so many women are doing and they're not even in touch and then they're depleted and they're exhausted and they're wondering why they're burned out. You're burned out because you're focusing on here while all the power is draining out and you don't have access to your true authentic yes. And your pussy is driving the car. So your pussy slows everything down. Like, no, you're not really getting it yet. No, you don't really understand what's going on here. (laughs) No, it's really my world. No, you're not really understand yet. (laughs) You know, and and you're not going to, until you get aligned with her, you're not going to get it. Right. I mean, that's just. Yeah. Yeah. It's, that's what I see over and over again. The, the women that I see that take off, it's because they've just, they've connected all those, those pieces. They found that, that drive, that motivation, the alignment, all of it. Just, yeah, go for it. You know, what's so funny, Dana is like, as a woman in connection with pussy, it doesn't matter what outfit you wear. Everyone's like, I love that outfit. Have you noticed that? Like I'll wear these pants. Like today I got on, I mean, these are cool pants, but they're like my, my Mariposa pants. They'll be like, I love your pants. So let's make a point to come over and be like, I love your pants. Or I'm I'm thinking, no, it's just, you love my pussy. (laughs) Like It's just, it doesn't really matter what I'm wearing. Like you just love the energy that's being emitted because I'm in touch with myself. That's it. You just love it. And it feels good to be around somebody that's in touch with themselves. You know, that's accepting and loving themselves. Right. Especially it's like the planet on the planet. Humanity's got so many shut down women that aren't in touch with themselves, it feels good when somebody finally is authentically in touch with themselves and not using it for manipulation, but just yeah. in touch, right? Yeah. And that, it's so true. And that that's where, you know, kind of bringing this back around again, I think if women start to recognize that it is, it is really, you know, connecting with your pussy, connecting with yourself, getting your sexuality, because that's all part of it. Like we can't, do embodiment work without being in touch with our sexuality. We are sexual beings. That's my rant. Um, <laughs> you know, I don't think you can be all enlightened and cut off your sex. That's like, what is the point? I don't, I don't well, understand the point. People have tried that. Monks and, and nuns right? have tried that. Has it worked? They just get really right. angry and then they start right? abusing little kids. Exactly. So. That didn't work. That didn't work. So how about we go back to being pagans and, <laughs> you know, have some good sex. But no, it's like when we have more and more women really understanding this and getting to the place where it's like, I love my body. I feel in control of my body. I feel empowered to say no. I will say no. And even to the place that I would, you know, with the risk of triggering people to know that even if something does happen, even if you do get raped, that you are not a victim, that you can have that happen and say, okay, that was a shitty thing to happen. I didn't like it but I'm going to continue to go out and be a powerhouse in the world because I am not a victim. Right. When we start to really own it to that level of like, yeah, you may be able to fuck my body, but you're not going to fuck me. Uh, and that's a powerful word too. Cause I've been, yeah, I you can fuck my that. body, but you cannot fuck me. Right. And that's the, to me is like that differentiator of like, cause then we're not afraid of these things happening. Cause it's like, doesn't matter. doesn't matter what you do to my body. You cannot get to me unless I allow you to get to me. That's the ultimate power. 
And getting to you has to do with being a victim or going back to life is happening to me and it shouldn't be so. And how dare you and anger, like anything that you let bring you down into that spiral. And I'm with it because I don't bypass my feelings, right? So I'm not saying that anybody should ever bypass your feelings, but it's like, if you're angry, feel the anger. If you're feeling rage, feel the rage. If you're feeling hateful, feel the hate, feel everything. Just don't act from it, you know, because that's where when we act or speak from that is what happens inside. We, we kind of lose a little bit of our power when we do that and we can always reclaim it. But I think what you're talking about is like not letting anything take you to that place where you would stop being your authentic power in the world to yeah. be something else out of reaction. Yeah. Because I think what's misunderstood and why women always got labeled a bitch when we were trying to assert ourselves is that there were no role models to be in the place, in the world of, of power without being allowed. And so those early days, you know, it's only been a hundred years women have been in the workforce. It's not that long, if that. So for us to have this role model of like, okay, I'm going to go out there, I'm going to be powerful. What we've had is we've had women who have had to like go in and be aggressive and be assertive. And now there's there's a space and an opening where it's like, I can go in and I could be, be powerful without saying a word. And this is the thing that, that I love from like the dominatrix. And when I'm teaching people about their, you know, claiming, even if it's claiming your inner dominatrix, you don't want to like pick up a whip, but to be able to walk in a room and without saying a word, have people turn and look at you because of your energy. Because of who you're being. Yes. And you know, you're in your power. Yeah. And, you and also enjoy it. And then you become that space of transformation. Yeah. You become the space. And this is that work I keep mentioning to everybody, the work of Jennifer Huff, she talked about in my book, The Second Wave, where your photon beams of light are emitting from your body all the time with mm -hmm. everything you've claimed within yourself. And we know that with heart math, that anybody in resonance with the earth, with their heart, can bring others into heart coherence as well. And it's heart coherence, actually, that is the medicine on the planet. So when you're grounded, I think my experience of being realizing how grounded I am in my pussy, like I didn't even realize that, that that is what creates the safety. And when you're in that safety, it's like, oh, you bring other people into the safety too. And then the fear patterns don't have as much power. Mm -hmm. The true power has the power now. Yeah. There's nothing to fear. Exactly. There's nothing to fear. And it's amazing how the energy of a woman with regular flushing of orgasmic pleasure through her body creates this allure for God, you know, source, creator, whatever universe, whatever you want to, whatever mm -hmm. word you want to use to describe the one thing going on here, Allah, Yahweh, universe, cosmos, mother earth, I don't care, whatever you want to call it. But yeah. that that creates the presence of that on the planet. Yeah. Well, the, the sexual energy is the life force energy, your prime creative energy, all the, the, the it is that source. It's the source of everything is the sexual energy. Mm -hmm. And so when we start in, embracing that and allowing that to flow through, especially as women, because we are, we are built and wired in such a way that we are vessels of receiving pleasure. Right. So nice too. Old, I know the only purpose for your clitoris is pleasure. So kind of makes sense that we should probably have a lot of it. 
That's my justification. I think so too. I agree. <laughs> the more, the better. I do want to just like interject yeah. on, you know, for anybody who's listening, this is not about needing to be partnered. There's tantra for one, there's self-pleasure. There's also, you know, energetic orgasms. If you're in a space physically that it's uncomfortable to like, there's lots of options of receiving orgasmic pleasure without it being monogamous, straight sex. I want to piggyback on that. And uh, first of all, I want to say with what I'm about to say, it's really none of my fucking business. So I want to say that first. It's none of my fucking business. And in my journey, what I've realized is for myself is that learning how to access my true center sexually and my orgasmic pleasure is a me job. Mm -hmm. And as I opened to the me job and stopped involving other people in that somehow, like they had to help me get to me or be my love out on the outside that I could then, or my validation on the outside or whatever to get, no, it's like a me job. And the more that I centered on that, even back in the beginning of my journey, when I did a hundred days of celibacy, cause I was sex addicted and I was like, I'm trying to, I cannot stop lunging after men and trying to like, you know, get on top. So I had to go, you're being a predator, you know? So I had to go, okay, Carrie, like come inside, be with yourself. <laughs> it's inside all the love and everything and the pleasure is inside of you. Just be with yourself. And then I was able, the more I practiced, and it took me a while to kind of disengage and clear the addiction, just like most addictive patterns are to break. But as I broke that pattern, and then I was able to start just seeing who people actually were. So there's rose-colored glasses thing that women experience, a fantasy world. Mm -hmm. No, you could kind of put that aside and go, oh no, that's what this person's about. No, it's not a good match. Okay, I'm going to move on without causing any more drama. Not going to make a big scene about it. Just move on, you know? And and I stopped making a scene about it. I stopped creating drama about it. I stopped like involving other people in my drama mm -hmm. while I sorted out my drama. And now I've got a beautiful partner that because I know myself and I know my body, we've been able to work together to deepen that because there are still more there's I think there's probably always going to be more vulnerable places to go and more healing inside to do and so then at that point I feel like it's good to have a partner and then I don't need to involve other people like in my drama with kind of like these crazy configurations that people are doing which is all power to you I'm not I just not right for me because I really have realized the power of owning my own sexuality first right mm -hmm. instead of like going out and having like a bunch of orgies and stuff like that, which I very well could have done, but I, I stayed in my own camp to own my power first, you know, cause I was already doing it. I saw the damage I was doing in dating, you know, I was really reactive. So that was yeah. my journey. And so yeah. I offer it. And I'll offer the other <laughs> side of it because, uh, you know, I have multiple lovers, you know, quite openly. I call them team Dana. So team Dana. team Dana. Yeah. <laughs> we have team tryouts and yeah, all the fun. <laughs> So, but for me, I move in a very empowered way with that. It is my choice. Mm -hmm. And and the, the whole team tryouts is a, is a really great piece for me of like, okay, does this person move with the same level of ethics, the same level of enthusiasm? Does it match? And if not, then it's like, sorry, you didn't make the cut. And, you know, find somebody else. So for me, that that is very empowering. But I've done a lot of healing to get to a place where I could move with these things from a very different space than they were when I was in my thirties. You know, that was, that was a disempowering movement with all of that. Dynamics. Yeah. I'm glad that you said that 
And that's kind of goes along with what I was hinting at, even though I haven't explored in that space as you are. Mm-hmm. I think that it's the consciousness with which we involve people in our yes. bodies and our sexuality that is important, you know? Yeah. And I don't think we can avoid those early filled with drama exchanges necessarily because those teach us but like maybe you could just wake up to it sooner I don't know like create less havoc but I mean I guess we we can't really control the process can we Dana no and I mean for me I've been really leaning into just it's that there's no right or wrong like that Mm. concept for me really does a lot for my body because then I can pull out of needing to fix anybody because if I don't see them as wrong, then I don't need to meddle. Ah, the meddling. Yes. I don't need to tell them that they're doing it wrong. I don't need to explain anything, which also helps with the whole thing of like when people approach me and they're like, hey, baby, I don't have to be like, hey, dude, like you'd actually get more of you. I don't need to tell them any of that. Uh-huh. I just guess it's working for him. He's attracting his ideal clients and repelling the worst ones, right? So <laughs> what about do him? You know? <laughs> But so that's, that's the that's the ultimate don't take anything personally what you're talking about. It is. It is. I, I and that's that's for me where I'm like, okay, what if there's nothing wrong with what anybody chooses? Ah nothing, nothing. Perfect. Yeah. That message needs to get out. I'm receiving that deeper. I intellectually yeah. knew that, but you just gave me an embodiment of that, yeah. which is really wonderful. Thank you for that. Nice. You're welcome. And I will say, yes, and we have laws of things that are not okay. Like there are things that, no. Yeah. Like shooting that boy at the, you know, that's not okay. You know, raping somebody, raping somebody, you know, all the things that are, you know, against the law. No, there are laws that are going to put it, but I don't have to enforce them. I'm not law enforcement. Yeah. You're, you're Dana. (laughs) (laughs) I'm Carrie. Very different path. I have, I'm, that's not my job. (laughs) My job is just to spread the message, you know, folks, and then keep learning, right? My job is to keep learning myself and keep spreading the message. That's it. This was a great conversation. Gosh, thank you so much for everybody listening. I shared with Dana before the call that, you know, I have not really taught anything around sexuality up until now because it's been like my little private inquiry, you know, it's just things that I've learned on my own. And uh, and so I'm stepping into this holding space for some of my students in this way. And so it's really opening up stuff for me. It's like, wow, I didn't realize how much stuff I knew about it because I just didn't know. I just was kind of experiencing stuff. And then there's also stuff like, gosh, that's really cool that you just said that, Dana. And like, oh, I needed to know that like at a deeper level, right? I guess the message I want to leave everybody with is like, I love what Dana said, that there's no wrong answers, that whatever people are doing is just what they need right now in order for their curriculum. And if you're not available for it, you're not available for it. There's a clear no. Mm -hmm. And that's okay too, to say no is totally fine. And then to not take it personally, like, no, you wanted, you invited me to this. I said, no, and that's all there is. Bam, done. And let it be that clean, you know, it would be really great. I think it would reduce a lot of drama on the planet. (laughs) Anyway. Yes. Which is, which we, you know, it's like a whole other topic. We talk as a about. former drama queen. As a former drama queen, yes. And how much people are addicted to drama. I don't know if people would ever give that up. <laughs> addicted to the drama. Oh my gosh. Is there anything else you want to leave people with on our way out the door here? So I would just say, if you know, if you're curious about following the journey, I am super easy to find. So it's Dana Ferrant and the last name is P-H-A-R-A-N-T. Um, 
you can look me up on all the channels. I'm primarily on Facebook and LinkedIn. I know, old school, but that's where it is. And you can join my email list for exclusive content. Beautiful. Send me an email. Yeah, and we'll put all the links below in the show notes, guys, so you can find her easy. I'll even put the link to the first episode so you you can get some insight into the deeper insight into Dana's beginnings and her life because we talked, we went really deep in that conversation. But for now, enjoy her journey of discovery and and let it light you up because being lit (laughs) is where it's at. And yeah, thank you for coming back on the show, Dana. So you guys like, share, subscribe, you know, go up on Dana's feed and start sharing out what she's doing. Like share the journey, you know, really, really get, you can see how transformative this conversation was. For those of you who stuck with it when you were uncomfortable, congratulations. Mm -hmm. I love you. You did it. I'm celebrating you. And for everybody else, I'm celebrating you as well. And here come kisses. You want to join me for kisses, Dana? We're going to give kisses. Here they come. (laughs) (laughs) All right, everybody. Bye for now. Have a great week, everyone. See you next time on Soul Nectar Show. If you found even one gold nugget in this episode of Soul Nectar Show, will you do us a favor? Will you subscribe, like, and share this episode? Maybe even write a comment and let us know what you thought about it. We really, really want to engage with you at a much deeper level. Let's be part of community together. Have a great week, everyone. Bye for now. To dive in deeper to nourishing conversation, visit soulnectar.show.